It's Wednesday night, and we are in a study that encompasses many different subjects. Uh, We've been on predestination for a long time, and uh, we're predestined to something. You can't, most people, when they quote Romans 8 and 29, they stop when they get to predestinate. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, period. You can't stop there. Without the last half of that verse, it doesn't have any meaning. I've had people say, I don't believe in predestination. I say, you call yourself a Christian, you said you go to the Baptist church, you have to believe in it, it's in the Bible. They'll go, like, I didn't know that. I've had a lady say, where? And I quote it to her. It's six times the word prohorizo is in the Bible. That's the word predestinate, not predestinate. <coughs> Take predestinate and throw it to the wind. Prohorizo is the word. There are no H's. There's a diacritical mark. Diacritical is a breathing sound. Horizo. There's no H's in the Greek alphabet. So they get that by the diacritical mark. Now, horizo means to bound. I keep saying it's not a simple boundary. It means to bound inside the horizon. The Latins put an N on it later on. And it means to pre Pro is our word pre, pre-bound inside the horizon. Without definition, without understanding definition, without parts of speech, we don't have a really accurate translation. Let me show you some things I mean. I had a lady call, or a man call me, and he said, I had to drop out of school when I was young because of a lot of problems in my family and, and the way I was treated and so forth. He said, I don't know what gender means when you talk about that. So I need to say some things about parts of speech. Without understanding gender, boy, there's a, bad, a lot of bad translations in the Bible because of gender. Now, gender, you've got, gender means sexual or whatever sex something is. That's the gender. You have masculine. Now, I don't know if some people are so uneducated. The reason you didn't pass a lot of subjects in school is because your teacher was bad. It's not because of the people. I've said this. Algebra is real simple. When you bring it down to simplicity, it's a simple thing. You've got algebra in the Bible. You've got got Old Testament equals New Testament. New Testament. That's That equal sign means it's an equation. Everything over here is equal to everything over here. And when you want to know what the New Testament means, study this over here. Now you've got masculine, feminine, and neuter gender. The masculine gender is male. It means a man or a boy. It's male. It's masculine. Male. And this may be for somebody. This is not for you that are educated. It's for people who don't know. Feminine gender is 
female. That's a woman or a girl. Neuter gender, in many cases it means it doesn't exist, especially in the word demon. In the first century, they said D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. That's our word demon. Demon. And they said in the first century, these came in hordes. They came in large numbers. That's why the man said in Luke 8, I've got 3,000 demons in me. Now, you know, that's really amazing. Jesus walks up to a man that's nuts. He's running through this cemetery with gravestones, screaming, yelling, cutting himself, bleeding all over the place. And he goes, Jesus says, he didn't say, what is your name? It's not what he said. He said, T. That's an interrogative. That is a question. He said, what? T. Soy. Estine. Onoma. Onoma is the word name. But it means authority. Now, I'm all in all getting to demons right now. I've got too many things to say about parts of speech. <coughs> he said, what? Soy is a form of sum, sue, sug. And all of those mean, oi is plural, plural. He said, what fellowship? Sum is what you put on the front of a word instead of putting the word K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Koinonia is the word fellowship or communion. He said, what fellowship is? That's not, that's not the word is in the Greek. The word is is E-I-N-A-I. Enai. This word esteem means to represent. He said, all of this thing that you're screaming and yelling and cutting yourself, what is this authority? What is this authority that you are representing that you're going to for some kind of understanding? He was caught. He was in the tombs because he was getting involved in his ancestor worship. All the first century people said demons. They said demons was their ancestors. Now, we know this guy was not a Jew because he had all of these swine, these boar, these pigs. Couldn't be. Now, I don't know why I got off on that. But let me get back to what I was talking about, parts of speech. Well, that has to do with parts of speech right there. Let me show you. A part of speech has to do with gender. Look over in Luke 8. Now, without knowing the gender, you're not going to know what's being said. Look at Luke 8. Gender makes all the difference in the world. How are you going to find out what gender it is? You have to have an interlinear Bible. Now, Mr. Strong, I'm trying to teach you how to study the Bible. Mr. Strong and his Strong's Concordance. I put this on the board before. I'll just stick it up there. 
so you can see why you got to get an interlinear Bible and get... I'm trying to teach you how to study. And you need to get a lexicon. A lexicon just means dictionary. Now, Mr. Mounts is one of the foremost Greek teachers in the world. And you can get Mounts's, William Mounts' uh, lexicon of the Bible. It has all the words in here listed that are in the Bible. But it, what it has, it has the words that you can get out of an interlinear Bible. Interlinear Bible has the correct text. It's got the Greek and the New Testament has the Greek on the top line and it has the English right under it. I'll be honest with you, I don't even trust the English. I go to the Greek word, get the spelling on it, look it up in an English lexicon, and a lot of time I'll look it up in my... I've been doing this for 50 years. I'll look it up in my... in one of my encyclopedias in McClinic and Strong or in Hastings, and they'll tell me some things about it. Now, Mr. Strong is only going to give you... I've said this before. My favorite thing to give you is the. The. The is a definite article. It means in a given situation, that's the only thing that is. It can't be anything else. It, it eliminates. It, it's exclusive to one thing on a subject. The. In English, we have three articles. A. And and there are no indefinite articles in the Greek. When you see that Satan was bound for a thousand years, forget a. It's not there. It never is there. And is never there. The is the only thing. The there's twenty four ways to spell the in the Greek. <laughs> Depends on where it is in the sentence. Does that have anything to do with interpreting it? Yes, exactly. That's why you cannot translate the Bible exactly from the Greek because of all of the different spellings for where it is. You've got you've got singular and plural for thee. You got masculine, feminine, neuter gender. In the singular, masculine, feminine, neuter, gender in the plural. Then you got the cases. The cases, where it is in the sentence. And they're all going to be spelled different. Well, most of them are spelled different. Some of them will be spelled the same. Then you got nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative case. Now, in some words, you've got an additional case. In the vocative case, particularly in the word good, and there's two words for good in the Greek text. There's the word agathos, 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 or agathos, however you want to pronounce it, is the word, and we know that all things work together for good, that's in Romans 
8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good, but not to everybody in the world. To them who love God, now that word love, I don't need to go into it. That word love is is the word agape. And agape, you have agape and phileo, the two words that have been translated out of the Greek text into English, love. They're not the same word. I don't know why professors and doctors of theology say they are. They are not. And you've got many forms of phileo. You've got philia, philos, and philos is the word friend. And Jesus said, you are my friends if. Love is never unconditional. He said, you are my friends if you do the things that I say. That's what agape is. It's walking in the commandments of a king. Walk in commandments. Now, you can't learn this all of a sudden. I had one young man called today said, I want to learn the Greek. I'm 30 years old. Well, what you, I said, what you need to do is I'm going to start sending you DVDs. You watch them and take notes on them. If you're watching tonight, keep watching and take your notes on these things. So agape is walking the commandments of God, but that's only conditional if we are, he's only a friend to us if we walk in his agape. This is agape, this is love, that we walk after his commandments, Second John 6. I meant to go a different direction on this, but let me get back to thee. You got the cases, and I need to explain these cases to you. They're not as hard as what you think. Now, until you get into agathos, that's got the vocative case, but it don't have the vocative case with thee. Vocative case is a direct address, like you go over there. It's a direct address. The So you've got 24 ways to spell the. Does that matter? Well, yeah, it matters. Does it matter in interpretation? Yes. I'll tell you, show you in a minute. Mr. Strong is going to give you nominative, masculine, gender, Singular. That's all he's going to give you. Because he can't give you all of them. If he gave you all of this, Mr. Strong, it would probably take a trailer to carry your Strong's Concordance in, and you'd have to have 150 volumes. He can't give you all that. That's what this lexicon is for. But you're going to have to learn your alphabet. It's not hard. It's easy. It's our basic our alphabet. I'm going to give it to you again. I'm doing this because this fellow I talked to today. It's A, B, G, D. It's Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. They named their letters. Instead of C, D, it's G, D. A G is like a little short stubby Y. Why does the G come between the B and the D. Why? Y'all know why. Somebody tell me. 
they were here first. <laughs> they knew that because they were here first. Same goes for the Z. So if you can remember A, B, G, D, you got that. Then if you can remember easy, E-A-S-Y, except that's not the way it's spelled, you got the Epsilon, the Zeta, and the Eta. This is a this is a long E. That's like they. This is a short E, the Epsilon. That's like met, eh, met. And this Zeta here, the Zeta, so, I got to Z it first. S, O, Z, O. Sozo is the word saved. The Z is pronounced D-Z. So, A-B-G-D, E-Z. Can you remember that? Easy. Just remember, A-B-G-D, easy. And then you got a theta, T-H. This is one letter, but it's like two letters in our alphabet. You got several of those. You got the theta, the phi, a P-H, the key, C-H, and the Z, P-S. You got two O's, the omega that's pronounced O, and then you got the omicron, which is pronounced ah. I don't pronounce it ah a lot of times on logos. I just say logos because it looks like it. I don't really care how it's pronounced, so you'll remember it. And then you've got the next thing in the Greek alphabet. You got A, B, G, D, E, Z, the theta, remember T, H, L, I, B, O, narrow is the way, it's T, H, L, I, B, O. Thalibo, that's the word narrow is the way. Starts with a TH. Now, you can get, if you can get down to here, you're at our alphabet. That's our alphabet, but no J and no Q. Mark that off. Now, I, no J, K, the I looks like an I. It's called an iota. The K looks like a K. L looks like an upside-down Y. It's called a lambda. The M looks like an upside-down H with a little hook on it. That's an M, a moo. And then the N, I-K-L-M-N, the N looks like a, a V. And then an X comes between the N and the O. Why is the X there? Because they were here first. So there's the X, but it doesn't look like this thing down here. This looks like an X, but it's not. It's a key, a CH. That's what Constantine saw in the sky. That's what Glantanius, his son's tutor, said. He didn't see a cross in the sky. He saw an X. So he takes the X, which is actually a CH. He probably saw two clouds come together. And he said, I wonder if that looks like Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. No, it was an X. It was a CH. And Lactanius said he put an R, which is like our R, but knock off the front leg and you got the Greek R. 
So that was the, that's the labyrinth of Constantine and so on all the Roman Catholic vestments. Now, I'm just showing you this alphabet. I-K-L-M-N-X O P looks like a pie and that's exactly what it is. But it's called a P. Uh, proskuneo. Any of the words that start with a P. P, no Q, forget the Q. No Q. No J, no Q. O-P-R like I say, knock off the front leg of our R and you got their R. R-S. Now, that is an S in the middle of the word. An S on the end of a word is like our S with a smaller hook on the bottom. S-T-U. Now, you know this. Just forget the J and the Q. I-K-L-M-N-X-O-P-R-S-T-U. Can you remember that? <laughs> you already know that, so you don't have to remember it. S-T-U, and then you have a fee, like phileo, P-H-I-L-E-O. One of the words that's been translated love. And then a fee, a fee, that's a fee. And then a key, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-S. And that's what this labrum stands for. C-H-R stands for Christ Mass. And that's why they called it X-Mass back when I was a kid in Texas. X-Mass, it's X-C-C-H Mass. All the independent Baptist preachers I was around, well, they've uh, taken Christ out of Christ and put an X in it. No, that's what belongs there. And then you have the Pazee. This is a Pazee. P-S-E-E is the way it's pronounced. And that's the word P, that's used in P-H-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. Pazookikos, that's the word natural. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Let me go over that again with you. A-B-G-D. E-Z. T-H. I-K-L-M-N-X. O-P, no Q, R-S-T-U, and then phi, ki, pazi, and omega. That's not hard, is it? You already know most of that, don't you? You ought to be able to live with it. All right. Mr. Strong would only give you nominative, masculine, singular. Let me tell you what the nominative case is, okay? It's a case. I had a doctor tell me the other day. I was explaining that to my orthodontist he said that's just like the Latin I said is it he said have you studied Latin I said no just a little bit but I and he said well that's the way the Latin is now well let me leave this over here now to understand the cases and to get the exact word I'm going to show you something here on the in just a minute and why it's important to understand certain portions of the Greek alphabet to properly interpret the scripture because how are you going to interpret the how are you going to do it because you got to have feminine masculine and neutered the nominative case I need to help you understand this if I can now I'll erase this over here you got three genders Masculine, feminine, neuter. Mas female would be a woman, 
or a girl or you've got genders in your verbs and in your infinitives and in your participles but I'm going to kind of explain that to you along the way okay neuter gender means it's a thing a car is a thing that's neuter gender it's not a male or female unless you call your car her but uh You've got you've got neuter gender. A book is neuter gender. A car is neuter gender. A building is neuter gender. A desk is neuter gender. A piece of paper is a neuter gender. You got all these different genders. What difference does that make? Nominative case means it's either the subject or the predicate nominative. The subject of the sentence is what the sentence is about. If you're diagramming a sentence, you're diagramming a sentence, the subject, you put it on a straight line, and the subject goes here. The subject is what is going to take action or is going to show what this is about. After the subject is called the predicate, And there'll either be an action verb showing action, or there'll be a being verb there. A being verb is called a helping verb. Helping. For instance, Jim is the pastor. Pastor is the predicate nominative. It's the 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 object it's the same thing in the predicate that equals to the subject it always has to have a being verb or you can call it a helping verb because it will help in many cases it will help the action verb and you've got action verbs Everybody knows what that is. Jump, run, throw. Those are action verbs. And when you have... Now, the, the nominative case has different spelling depending on whether it's masculine, feminine, neuter, gender in the singular, masculine, feminine, neuter, gender in the plural. Now, the genitive case shows possession. Baptism of repentance. You know when you get into the genitive case with baptism, it shows that it no possible way that it can be water. It shows you that by the case. Baptism of repentance means... Genitive case shows possession. When you look up, when you get the exact spelling of repentance in a particular verse, and it says baptism of repentance, what it is saying that true baptism belongs to 
repentance. It's owned by repentance. You cannot have baptism without repentance. Repentance, metanoia, means to be turned and think differently. There's no way you can say, well, that guy was repenting when he was dipped in water. Due to the fact that it is genitive case, means there's no way it can be water. And then you have the dative case and the accusative case. Those are very easy. The dative case is the indirect object. And the accusative case is the direct object. The direct object in a sentence is receives the action of the action verb. Jim threw the ball. Ball is the direct object that receives the action of the verb throw from Jim. But if I said Jim threw the ball to John, or Jim threw John the ball, he didn't throw John, that's the indirect object, so these are the direct object, indirect object. What difference does that make in interpreting something? It makes all the difference in the world. Let me show you something. Go over here to John 14. And without... These guys that translated the Bible, they did the best they could. Half of them were Roman Catholics and half of them were Protestants, particularly Calvinists. They had a knockdown drag out for six years in the translating room. It was like they had one scholar that was so smart in the Greek, one of the world's best scholars, that they wouldn't let him be on the translating committee because he would have put a hitch in everything they did. They did a lot of compromise. Look here in John 14. Look here. John 14, does it make any difference? It makes all the difference in the world. John 14, without being able to translate this correctly, you're left with a question mark over your head. Because when you go to your interlinear Bible, get the exact word for thee, and look it up in here, here's what you've got. These were words that were spoken to a wife. Wife was the betrothed title. Wife. Wife was the betrothed title. A man would... The father of the bride... This is predestination. Father of the bride would take a friend of the bridegroom, the Holy Spirit and arranged a wife, which was the betrothed title. And she would be bought and paid for, for the wife. And the son of the father would come to meet his wife. She would be called wife for a year. For a year. She'd be called wife. And he would come back, he would come and tell her, I'm going away 
to my father's house and I'm going to build a room on my father's house for you. And these were his words right here. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in my father, believe also in me. In my father's house are many, doesn't say mansions, it says rooms. Are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, wife. At During that year's time, she was called wife. That was as binding as the marriage ceremony would be. If he, if he stepped off of her, he had to give her a bill of divorce while she was the wife. She wasn't called bride until the night a year later. One year later, he would come and steal her away at midnight like you see the five wise and the five foolish virgins in Matthew 25. He would steal her away and everybody knew that he was coming in the bridal ceremony. And she would, and he'd go out and call her out of her house at midnight. And he would take her to his father's house in the middle of the night. And that year, he would go out and build a room on his father's house and take her to that. When they got there, the head of the feast, they always had a head of the feast. He'd go around and check and see if everybody had the lamp with the oil in it. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And see if if they were clothed in white linen robes. If they were missing any part of that, they would say, bind this man hand and foot and throw him into outer darkness. Outer darkness was the streets of Jerusalem or one of those cities at night. It was a dangerous place to be because they didn't have lamps. They didn't have police watching over them. Then it was a dangerous because you could be thrown out to the criminals and you could be killed. That was a picture of hell that you had to go be thrown out. So she was called wife. The night she was taken out, she took on the title of bride and she was called bride from then on. Not till then. Now let's keep reading here. Why is it important to know what these words mean? And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. The hodos. Who's he talking to here? The hodos, you ido. Remember the word ido? Means to see or perceive. The way is narrow. He's he's talking to the nucleus of the church, the wife, or the, the wife of Christ, that's the bride, that's the church, that's his people. And he says, and thee. And the word he used was feminine gender, right here. He used the word, hey, hey, hey. Anytime you have that by itself, it's thee 
are on the end of the word. It's feminine gender. He said, the feminine way you know. Why did he say that? Because he's talking to the bride. He said, you see it. You ito it. Maybe you had two words for the word no. You had the word ito and gnosko. Gnosko is our word no. It means to know by learning something. These two words are very different. Ito means to know by learning. You know by learning something has to do with mathetes. Mathetes is the word disciple. We get our word mathematics from that. And it means to know. A mathetes, a disciple, means a learner. And what you learn is gnosko. You learn information when you go on to the school. Ito means to see by being an eyewitness to something. That's the word that Paul used when he said, I'm a, I'm a prophet, a preacher, and a teacher, and I'm suffering for being these things. Therefore, I know whom I have believed. He didn't mean I'm positive. It's kind of coming to my heart from some outer source, and, and I'm a Gnostic. And that's what the Gnostics were. They said they got their information from some outer source, and it just came upon them. This word, ito, means to see. Paul said, I am suffering for what I used to do. I used to kill Christians, and now I can see myself change, and I can see who I believe in. Your knowing won't come all of a sudden one day when you get saved. It comes as you get older, and as you grow and get stronger and learn more in your life, then you can say, I can see the old me. And that's not this man that I am now. That's how I know. This is being an eyewitness. Ido is being an eyewitness. This is something you learn over here at Gnosko. If you're down here, I've said this many times before, if you're down here on Gallatin Road, or outside of our church, and you see a car run into a, another car, and if somebody tells you about it, say, well, I got it straight from a guy who saw it happen. That's not as strong as if you were standing there yourself and you saw it, you ito it, you saw it happen. Now, so is that important? And the way you know, the feminine way you know, let's keep reading here. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the hodos, the narrow way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way that you know. He used the word hodos, but the word he used there, I am tau ada, the feminine way that you know. How are you going to translate that into English? You can't. You'd have to put notes after and say feminine way, which he's talking to the church, the wife, the bride of Christ. And you can't add that to the word of God. You've got to know that it's feminine. And then he said, in the way you know, 
and he said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Each the is tau eta. It's feminine. He said, I am the way that's in you, the life that's in you, the truth that's in you, and you're my wife, you're my bride. That's not translatable in its, in its best understanding, is it? Do you have to do this? Well, you don't have to. You can just take a King James Bible and read it, and the confusing parts, you can just kind of leave it alone. Now, does it matter about tense? Tense. Yes, it does. Let me erase this. I'm trying to teach you how to look at the Bible. You say... I don't know all that stuff. I didn't know it either when I started. And you can't learn it overnight. Let's go over to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy. I want to show you something. If you don't, you have past tense... Do these tenses matter? Yeah, they matter. Guys have literally slaughtered the Word of God because of tenses. I'm talking about supposed to be authorities. Jack Van Ampe and Hal Lindsey claim to teach prophecy. They don't have the slightest idea what it's talking about on some of the things that they say. Before I go over to... Second Timothy, since I'm talking about them, let me show you something on tenses. Look over here in in Second Thessalonians. They use a verse here. They use a verse and they try to come up and say, This is talking about in the middle of the tribulation. And some tenses make it completely opposite of what they say. When you let's start reading in the first verse of the second chapter of Second Thessalonians. Now we, we we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can see his coming spoken of in the previous chapter. When he comes back, he says in verse 7 of chapter 1, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That's talking about the second coming. That's not talking about a secret coming. Without definition, you're not going to be able to understand this. I'm going to try to go as slow as I can. In flaming fire, he's coming back. The Bible says in Revelation 19, his eyes will be as a flame of fire. I can spend an hour on that, but I won't. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, then obey not the gospel. Boy, when you see the word obey, people say, we don't have to work, we don't have to do anything, you have to obey God. He's going to take vengeance on all those that obey not the gospel. Well, it depends on what the gospel is. Boy, that would take us back to 2 Timothy, the second chapter. The gospel is the resurrection. 
the resurrection according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. But what is this resurrection? The common word resurrection, every time you find it, it gets to gender again. Resurrection, the common word is anastasis. Anastasis means to come to life after dying. The only problem, that word resurrection is not talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Every time the Bible speaks of Christ being raised from the dead, it says raised or risen. Every time you find the word resurrection, except one time, it is the word anastasis, and that is feminine gender. It's female gender. It's not talking about any time you find resurrection, except that one time at the end of Luke, and that's the word in gero, and when the people rose from the dead after, while Jesus was resurrecting, that was the people rising in Jerusalem. It's feminine gender. Does that matter? Well, it keeps you from understanding Second Timothy, the second chapter, when Hymenaeus and Philetus were preaching a doctrine that ate like a canker. They said the resurrection, anastasis, feminine gender, what it means to come to life after dying. How often is the believer supposed to die? Huh? Daily. Paul said, I die daily. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. When they did that, when they, when Hymenaeus and Philetus ate this, had this doctrine that ate like a gangrene, G-A-G-G-E-R-I-N-O-S, gangrenos. It ain't like a gangrene. I looked up gangrene. And gangrene, if you don't get rid of it fast, it can travel like six to eight inches in a few hours. That's why when gangrene sets in to somebody's leg, you've got to cut them off immediately. It sets into their arms. You've got to cut it off immediately. And it's again, Greens, this gets back to tense. And second, Timothy, does tense matter? Oh, yeah. I'll get back to this second. They said that the resurrection, the resurrection of the believer is, since anastasis is feminine gender, that means... That means the church resurrecting or the wife or the bride of Christ has to resurrect daily. The word past. Well, let's read that. I can't give this to you. And then I'll come back here to 2 Thessalonians. Look at 2 Timothy. Just turn to the right and your Bible. I'm, I know this seems like a lot to you, but I'm being as elementary as I can be. You can't just 
read the Bible in English and say, I got it. No, you don't. And people won't even know what this is meaning unless they read this. Unless they look it up in a lexicon. Look at verse 16, chapter 2, 2 Timothy. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they shall increase into more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, a gangrene, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Now people say, you shouldn't call people's names. Tell Paul this, warning people about two young preachers at Ephesus and Timothy was passing the church at Ephesus on the western end of Turkey and he said these two young preachers are preaching a doctrine that eats like a canker like a gangrene and he said here's their doctrine who concerning the truth have erred saying that the resurrection is past already that word resurrection, anastasis, is feminine gender. It can't be talking about the resurrection of Jesus. He's not a female. He's talking about the resurrection of the church as they died daily. When they said the resurrection was past, that's a perfect, it doesn't look like a verb to you, but it is. It's a perfect verb. You got perfect verbs. That is where something that's been done in the past. It was action in the past that brought about a present condition. That's the same thing as saying, I got saved one night in the past and I died. I had a guy call me and said, I already died years ago. I said, no, you haven't. Not unless you're dying daily. And it's a canker to say all you had to do was die one time to yourself in the past. That's a gangrene. You have to die every day. Didn't Paul say that in Second Corinthians? Uh, in First Corinthians, the 15th chapter, he says that. First Corinthians 15, he says... Else what shall we do which are what shall we do shall what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. I die daily. How do you die? Tell people the truth. Remember, death does not mean annihilation. Death is the Greek word thanos or thanotos or thanos, which means separation. It doesn't mean annihilation. How can you die daily? You die daily by living in truth, telling people the truth, 
and they separate from you. The next time you see them after you tell them Christmas is Christ's mass, it's Roman Catholicism, it's paganism, they look at you and say, well, I don't have time right now to talk. I'll see you later, Jim. That's separation. They want to separate from you. That's a death. And you have to suffer that daily. And if you're not doing that yet, you will before it's over with if you live long enough. So, he says, that is, this word, this word, past, is the word genomai. It's a form of genomai, which means to cause to be. They said our resurrection came about. It was caused to be in the past, the night I got saved, and I hadn't had to die anymore. That's exactly what the preachers are preaching today. The resurrection's past for the believer. Don't think so. Now let's go back over here just to show you. Does gender matter? I guess it does. Let's go over here to Second Thessalonians. Gender is everything. Intense is everything. Gender intense will make something mean something. If you don't get it right, it, the translators are translated, it won't be right. And when you have Hal Lindsey and Jack Van Epper, who just passed away recently, I guess I'm not supposed to say anything bad about the dead, but he was a false teacher. He didn't know anything about the Greek. All he did was memorize verses, and that was all he did. And he'd connect things wrong, and he said something here about this along with Hal Lindsey. Supposed to be two of the great prophecy teachers of all time. They didn't know nothing about prophecy. They had a pre-trib rapture, which is not true. We're going to be changed at the last trump. There's seven trumpets that sound in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. When the last one sounds, that's the last trump. The mystery of God, which is the church, is complete. And it's over. And Christ has one foot, got one foot on the land. And the other one of the sea and says, time is no more at the last trump. There can't be a thousand year reign. If time is no more when he comes back for us, it could there be. That's why when it says Satan was bound for a thousand years, A is not there. Thousand is plural. It means 2,000 and more. And the whole purpose of him being bound was so he couldn't deceive the nations. What's amazing, the word nation is the same exact word as Gentile. Same exact word. Ethnos. The same is true in the Hebrew. The word nation and Gentile are the word goy or goyim. I am is plural. That's the word nation and the word Gentile in the Hebrew. So if Satan cannot deceive the nations, where is it that the Gentiles can't be deceived for a 2,000 year period? From Acts 2. Acts 2 until the end. 
and that's a 2,000 year period I believe I believe it's a 2,000 year period Acts 2 is approximately I'm not setting dates I'm just telling you Acts 2 is approximately 33 maybe 35 A.D. Add 2,000 years to that and where do you get to? 2035 at the most I don't know if the Lord is coming back then but a day is the Lord is a thousand years a thousand years is one day I believe all this stuff that's going on this gets back to definition and gender I've, I've got the I've got this before I read this in Second Thessalonians, go to Revelation, the sixth chapter. We're back to gender. Does gender make any difference? Let me say something to you. I, I'm constantly, do I trust my translation better than the translators? I trust my objectivity better than I trust theirs they weren't objective they did a lot of compromising for the Catholic Church here in Revelation the 6th chapter I can't cover all this right now I just got to give you a verse here this is talking about the end of time I got a thousand things I want to say to you and I can't say them all. I want to talk about the moon turning to blood in verse 12. Moon turned to blood doesn't mean there's going to be a blood moon like that nut down there and that charismatic down in San Antonio. What's his name? Uh, Hagee. Talk talking about a blood moon. For something to turn to blood, it meant to die. If the moon dies, and I've got all kinds of verses on this. Maybe I'll give that to you into another. It has to do with what Micah said. Gosh, I'm wanting to go too many places. Micah. Micah says, this is very figurative language if you can't think figurative you can't see this Micah okay Hosea Jonah Micah Hosea Joel Amos Jonah Micah Nahum okay Micah anytime you see the moon turning to blood if you don't study and learn what that means it means the moon's going to die how would the moon die? What is the moon for? It's for light at night, isn't it? Huh? Where does the moon get its light from? The sun. The sun. Thank you. <laughs> so if the sun gets darkened, what does that mean? It has to do with truth overtaking being overtaken by darkness, by lies. And that's what we've got in the world today. Now look here what Micah says. And you can see this in Micah. 
I've got bunches of verses on the moon turning to darkness, the sun turning to darkness, the moon turning to blood. For moon turned to blood, it means the moon had to die. It means the light of the sun is going to be overpowered by darkness. And that's talking about truth being strangled or overcome by a lie. And that's going on in the world today. Look here in Micah, the third chapter. Verse 5, Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets of Israel. They were worshiping Baal in the grove, and the, must, and the moon was, was dying then. The sun was turning to darkness then. Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make the people err, going after Baal in the grove. He's preaching about that. That bite with the teeth and cry peace, and he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against God. And then he says these magic words Therefore, night shall be unto you, and ye shall not have a vision, and it shall be dark unto you, and ye shall not divine, and the sun shall go down over the prophets truth is going to die in the prophet's mouth and the day shall be dark over them that's the sun turning to darkness and it doesn't give a reflection to the moon and when you have pitch darkness what do you have you have lies all over the world that is idiomatic language now go back over here to to that 13th verse and the stars of heaven fell unto earth if we had one meteor one meteor two or three miles wide it would hit the earth and call a nuclear winter and it'd kill everybody on the earth what are the seven stars on the right hand of Christ in the first chapter the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. And those seven angels have seven trumpets. And a trumpet is a signal or a sound. In Revelation 8, 9, and 10. When the seventh one sounds, that's the last trump. So the stars of heaven is the judgment of God falling upon the earth from the mouths or from the trumpets. We said a trumpet gives a signal. Reveille means get up in the morning. That's Reveille. I went to military school. I know that we fell out and met formation every morning. And taps is for going to bed and charge. That's that's going towards the enemy. Charge. And it, a trumpet tells you what to do. And then he says, And the heaven departed. Remember, heavens was a term for the ruling class. Israel was called a kingdom of heaven. And the heavens of the earth were departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved. Mountains were capital cities of empires. You can look that up in any number of my books in the McClinic and Strong. Look up Mount. They're capital cities. They're all going to fall. But I'm getting to a point here about gender.
and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and chief captains, and mighty men, and every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains, and said unto the mountains and rocks, Follow us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of God. And then he says, For the great day of his wrath is come. It doesn't say that in the Greek Bible doesn't say the great day of his wrath it says the great day of the day o r g ada the great day of the orgay is come the orgay is out there right now the orgay is the wrath and the it's feminine gender it's this is not his that's the feminine gender. How can it be feminine and what does it mean by that? There's a feminine anger and rage of mankind and this wrath is, is vengeance, man against man. It's the vengeance of a man that's covetous. A man who wants to get everybody back. We got that going on in the world today. Don't we? Got Al Qaeda, we got ISIS, we got about fifty wars going over worldwide in the world. We got the viruses going, coronavirus, we got we got all of the nation is about to collapse financially. And there's a phrase here I want you to see. There's a phrase here. And who shall be able to stand? The great day, great is the word megalay, we say mega, it's feminine gender. Megalay, we say mega, huge, the great day of man's wrath has come upon the earth and it seems like it's here upon us, doesn't it? This is not talking about God's wrath, it's talking about man's wrath. Why would it say who shall be able to stand if we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye at the last trump? Twinkle, an eye twinkles about one billionth of a second. You're not going to need to stand when he comes back, are you? Ain't going to be no standing. Who can stand under this onslaught of man's orgay? And I have much to say about the orgay. The orgay was put on man by God. The Bible says so over and over. Over there in Romans, the first chapter, it was placed upon man when he put us in these bodies made of flesh. We want to defend him. We want to get everybody back. All this in the world is everybody's revenge in the world out for each other. I don't believe that's... I deny that God is a female... He's not a female. This is the great, the megalay day of man's wrath is come. And who could stand under that? That's what he's saying. Now, I'm not going to talk any more about that. I could talk about that all night. Let's go back over here to Second Thessalonians. And these prophecy teachers, they don't know anything about infinitives. And participles. If you don't know anything about it, you need to learn. A participle is a verbal adjective. 
Let me give you this. Let me erase this. An adjective tells which, what kind of, or how many. That's what they tell. And they modify. Modify means to alter. Adjectives. You need, all you need is, is nouns, pronouns, adjectives, adverbs. And I'll teach you this. This is not college English. This is junior high. We didn't have middle school in 1950 and 51. We had elementary, junior high, and high school. That was it. This is junior high, 8th and ninth grade, 1950-51 English. This is high school, 1953 to 57 English. That's all it is. It's not something that's advanced. It's real simple stuff. I just learned it and I remembered it. I don't know if they even teach that in school today. Nouns. A noun is a person, place, or thing. And they all have gender. They're either male, female, or neuter gender. A pronoun, pro mean, pronoun means pro for the noun. A pronoun takes the place of a noun. It's a place of a noun. But it always has to match the gender. And I can show you that in the scripture when you get to Revelation 13 and you see the beast is like a lion, a leopard, and a bear. And it says, it calls it the beast. And the word is tolerion. Tolerion. Now this is the same beast as you find over here in Daniel the seventh chapter. It's the lion, the bear, the leopard, and the beast with iron teeth, which was Rome. And the lion is Babylon. And the bear is the bear is is uh, Persia. And the leopard is Greece. Now it says in the English Bible, doesn't say this in the interlinear, and says the dragon gave him, him referring to the beast, his seat, his power, and his and his glory. Him is a pronoun, but all pronouns have to match the gender of the noun that they 
referring back to. There's only one problem. They translated it him and his. It can't be right. Mr. Mounts tells us the word the word him and his is a u t o u. Auto is a form of a u t o, which is the word self, and a u t a. Ada, that's feminine gender. That's her. And A-U-T-O is him. A-U-T-A is her. A-U-T-O is self. They're all a form of the same thing. And A-U-T-O-U, Mr. Mouse tells us, it can only be masculine or neuter gender, but it must match the gender of the noun it refers back to. Tolferion is neutered gender. It's not a him. It's not a her. It has to match. So all those hymns and his needs to be changed to its. And that's exactly what it says in the interlinear Bible. Don't trust your... There are all kinds of mistakes in the King James Bible. I'm always looking for them. If it's, a, if it's an it in the Old Testament, which it is, it's Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, then it's an it over here. It's a world system. And when President George Bush started talking about a new world order, I went, whoa! I thought, whoa! That's the world be system. Taken over. Now, what was that? So it has to be its. Every time you find it, does that matter? It matters completely. In order to match this up with Daniel 7, when you get into Daniel 7, the beast rises up out of the sea. The sea is the Mediterranean Sea. The beast, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, had its boundaries on the Mediterranean Sea. That's, I don't know why people can't see that. Mediterranean Sea. The beast. Babylon over here on the Euphrates River. Persia, Greece, and Rome. It's on the sea. It's not a hard thing to understand, is it? Now, how much time do I have? Okay. Maybe I can get to this. What was I talking about? So, this has to be its. Because it's an it over here. God doesn't change it. The word dragon, dracon, is not a fire-breathing dragon with... St. George and the dragon in England back in mythological days. It means to fascinate. Whoever comes up with a world system, they're going to try to make all the world feel good. That's Satan's ploy to make everybody feel good. In fact, dragon has the basic same meaning as serpent in Genesis Three and one. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Who was ruling in the garden? The serpent, the beast. 
I said it last week, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast was God's judgment, and they were here in the garden, and that's the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Serpent is the word nakash, N-A-C-H-A-S-H. It means to fasten, uh, means to enchant, to enchant. I like what one of the writers said, enchant means to kill with the eye. Eve looked at the tree and she died spiritually. And when she looked, she partook of the tree. It had all that's in the world. All in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Those are the three things she saw. A tree that was good for food, it was pleasant to the eye, and it would make her proud, and she could be wise in her own eyes. Those are the three things that John said, that's all that's in the world, First John 2.16. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And she began to distribute that to herself, and she was the first demon, which means to distribute fortunes. Now, where was I? So I was talking about I was talking about gender matters over here in the thirteenth chapter. They translated it his and it's not that. It's its. It's the same thing it is over here. When you find something over here in the Old Testament, believe me, it's gonna be the same thing in the new. Look at your inner linear Bible, it will say it's. Now, look back over here where I told you to go a while ago. Go over here to Second Thessalonians. And these so called prophecy teachers, they know nothing about participles or infinitives. An infinitive is. Is a verbal noun. An infinitive is a verbal noun. In McClinic and Strong, if you have them, look up baptize. In the first paragraph, Mr. Strong will tell you that baptize is a verbal noun. And verbal noun is an infinitive. It means it's a noun. It's a thing. It's either a person, place, or thing. In this case, it's a thing. It's a condition. And it means when the translators got to the word baptized, they were stymied. They didn't know what to do with it. Mr. Girdlestone, one of the great scholars of all time, Greek and Hebrew scholars, said they didn't know what to do. So they just took the word baptizo, a noun with verbal character, and made it a verb. And it's not. Boy, I don't think the Church of Christ and the Catholics and the Baptists would believe that, would they? We don't like that. 
You can take your concordance and look up baptize, and it'll say, Baptizo means to whelm. That doesn't mean to dip or sprinkle. It means to bring some fluid over something and cover it. Has the same basic meaning as the word epi. Means to superimpose on top of something. And then it says, see, bapto. In your concordance, it will say this. Bapto will say to stain or to die. And if you look up blood in McClinic and Strong, they'll tell you at the end of the article, a blood baptism was a death. I don't ever hear any preachers say that. And when Jesus asked James and John, can you be baptized with a baptism I'm baptized with? He's going to die on the cross the next day. And he's not talking about, are you able to be dipped in water, both of you? One of them says, no, I'm allergic to water. I can't be. Did you know there's people allergic to water? They have to go to hell, don't they? <laughs> if, you got a, if you're allergic to water, I had a magazine of a lady who couldn't touch water. Break out in blisters. She has to go to heaven blistered, I guess. Now, pronouns. What was I going to put here? Nouns, pronouns, adjectives. And adverbs. Adjectives modify nouns and pronouns. And nouns and pronouns modify means to alter. Modify means to alter. They alter nouns and pronouns. And then they they tell which, what kind of, and how many. Adverbs modify verbs, adjectives, and other adverbs. And if you don't know this, you're going to be lost as a goose when you get to John 3.16. John 3.16 does not say God loved everybody in the world. It says, for God so loved. So is an adverb. Do you think that matters? Does it? So modifies the word loved. So is an adverb. E-U-T-O. There's a diacritical mark. H. Huto. That's the word so. So being an adverb refers back to something that was just said. 
you can't soul Jim soul loves Hendersonville. Well, say something before that. The Bible says before that in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That takes you back to the book of Numbers where Israel was murmuring against God and as they were murmuring, these these poisonous serpents or snakes were coming to the camp, biting people and they were dying. God tells Moses, build a brass serpent. That's the very sign of the doctors. It's got a it's a it's a pole with a serpent wrapped around it. He said, and everyone that looks lives. Spurgeon said that was the verse that converted him. The one that looks lives, but how can you look unless God has given you a seeing eye? The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Unless he gives you a seeing eye to look and live, you can't look. And he was he, who was he talking to? Was he talking to Moab? Was he talking to Ammon? Was he talking to Egypt? He wasn't talking to anybody but the children of Israel. And then he says, after that 14th verse, for for God so or in this same fashion loved the world. He gave his agape, so agape the world. Agape is walking the commandments of God. He didn't give his agape to everybody. He gave his agape to Jacob. He loved Jacob and hated Esau. And loved means to walk in the commandments. He, in this fashion, loved the cosmos. That's the word world, except it's not cosmos. That's what you get out of Strong's. It's nominative. It's not nominative case. It's it's uh, data. It's accusative case. It's direct object. So it's spelled K O S M O N. Same word, just in a different place. So it's got a different spelling. And he didn't love everybody. He so, 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 so loved. Without understanding that adverb, modifying and altering the word loved. How are you going to figure it out? You're not. You can't just leave so out. And in the NIV, it says, God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. He did not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God? It does not yet appear, but we shall be. We know when He shall appear, we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. In Romans 8 and 14, the Bible says, we're sons of God that are obedient to His Word. And he tells Moses, you go tell Pharaoh, let my son go. Israel's my son, even my firstborn. He didn't give his one and only son. He gave his only begotten one that taken out of himself. I don't like the NIV. 6,500 words are left out of the NIV that's in the that's in that's left out of the West Cotton Horde, which is NIV Bible. The NIV didn't come out until 1966. It's a corruption. Now, so does it matter? I've got to give you the rest of the verse. It doesn't say whosoever, 
Whosoever is not a Greek word, it's nowhere in the Greek. Here's what it says. For God in this fashion loved and gave his commandments to the orderly arrangement of mankind. Cosmon is masculine gender, and it means it's mankind. And it doesn't say whosoever. Forget that word. That's not there. Everybody wants to, when you, they see whosoever, they want to put will behind it. Don't they? Forget that. Forget that. That's not what it says. It says in the original text that the whole believing Believing all, pistuon is a participle. That is a verbal adjective. It's like believing. Participles usually end with ing in English. That the singular, masculine, masculine, singular, believing, masculine, singular, all, pas, masculine, singular. What is the one believing all? What is it? The wife? The bride? The church? Shall have everlasting life. Whosoever throw it to the wind, it don't belong in the Bible. It's a corruption of the truth that men have used to pacify people out here. It's not there. That they believing I'll go. I, I didn't even have time to get back. Let's go back over here to Second Thessalonians. I'll give it to you real quick. It's talking about this man of sin. In verse 4 of chapter 2. Who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And these so-called prophecy teachers say, well, that's talking about in the future when God stops the sacrifice and the oblation in the temple of God in Jerusalem. That's a bunch of hooey. Opposeth is a participle being a participle a verbal adjective it has verbal means it has tense it's present tense it means he was already sitting in the temple of God opposing God at the time this was written that means the apostasy was in the church at that time because we're the temple of God and exalteth is also a participle. Present tense. Does that matter? These guys wouldn't have been preaching this something in the future if they knew those were present tense verbal adjectives. He's an exalting, opposing, and sitteth is an infinitive. It's a verbal noun. And sitteth is present tense since it's verbal in character. Does it matter? I, I get some of those guys that would use this showing is another participle. It's present tense. 
That means it was happening there, and he says on further down in the chapter, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. It was the apostasy was already here in the church in Second Thessalonians. It was already working. I'm running out of time. I hadn't been able to give you everything I wanted to give you. I hope I've given you enough about adjectives and adverbs and participles and we didn't get to gerunds. We don't need to get to that. That's a that's a verb that acts as a noun. Flying is fun. Flying is a gerund. And you don't need all of this. Do you know that all I've given you is basic 10th grade English from 1954. That's all I've given you. Haven't given you any more than that. You can get your English book, 7th grade English book, and nobody teaches all the parts of speech in an English book of the 7th grade. Nobody. You can get all that you want in the 7th and 8th grade English book. Doesn't matter about tense and mood and voice and well, yeah, it matters. The reason they can't, guy said last night. He said, "Well, you said that English can't be that Greek couldn't be translated correctly into English. So what's the use?" Well, I can translate it one word at a time. I had a guy tell me one night, "Do I have to do this after your? Do we have to translate everything in there?" I said, "Well, I'm going to translate everything I can till I die, and I'm going to leave it up to you." Okay? Do you know nobody can translate all these words into the exact tense and exact definition without going? How many of these have I done? I can't do all of them. Nobody can do all of them. We don't have a language. What we have in America with English is a confusion of tongues. And we need to go back to the original as much as we can. I'm just sick of the preachers. They don't care. They don't care. The ones that go to the Greek, you'll hear them say a Greek word once every two messages or once maybe once in a message and I'm going to give you 50 of them in a message and try to give you the tense and the what they modify does it matter that so modifies love does that matter that it alters the word loved it alters walking in the commandments of God it's only given to a certain few people it's given to Jacob everywhere God writes upon fleshy tables of our hearts we have to abide by those rules and do we do it not easily takes years of fire and trials I'm out of time let's pray Father thank you for truth Lord I get frustrated hearing these preachers preach Lord cause to continue work fight our battles I can't fight anymore I'm too tired lead us to your elect family we'll praise you for everything glorify you and everything you do in Christ's name we pray amen and thank you for the coronavirus